Howdy, howdy, howdy. We have announcements. Was that too energetic? No. Oh, I can tone You down. can never be too energetic, Brady. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy, howdy. We should have, like, an ASMR episode. ASMR. <laughs> Speaking of ASMR, if you want to hear a little bit more of that, you can go listen to Fiddle and Pipe Happy Hour, where you can crack open a beer and drink while you listen to us drink and banter about our lives. You don't even have to drink a beer. You can drink a soda. You can drink a water. Where can we find that? On Patreon. Patreon.com slash Fiddle and Pipe. Well, you know it more than I do, so. <laughs> you know, you should know where the .com is. And speaking of .coms, we do have another site where you can support us. We have listener support activated on Anchor, so that's anchor.com slash Fiddle and Pipe. No content there, unfortunately, but there are three different tier options. If y'all want to support us, we really do appreciate it. It helps make our podcast better. If you think what we do is worth some monies, we appreciate it. And if you support us but you don't have the money right now, go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Five. And write a review. It could be as simple as, I listened to the podcast today while I pet my cat and drank my coffee. Actually, if anyone wants to write us a review that says that they listen to us while they pet their pussy, I would like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was too easy. That was logging. Pretty really doesn't have a filter. <laughs> nope, not anymore. Go on Facebook, because everybody has a Facebook. Who doesn't have a Facebook? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe my students don't have Facebook because they think I'm old. And we are at Fiddle and Pipe Forum. It's a public group for you to join in and listen to us. If you want to follow us individually, I am at BM Ross Music. I'm at Cat Flinch Flute. And our friend Matt Richards, I was on his podcast as a guest. Mm-hmm. And the episode that I was featured on just dropped this past Sunday. So you should check it out if you haven't already. It's pretty good. You can find that. You have you listened? Oh, yeah. I think I need to invest in substitute teaching. Yeah, that's what I got out of that, too. Yeah. You can find that at M Conversations. That's M-M-M Conversations. Yep. I think that's it. This is the most efficient we've ever been. I know. So go listen to the podcast now. And here's the music. Ba-da, ba-da. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brittany Ross, and I play the fiddle. I'm Catherine Blencham, and I play the pipe. And together, we are Fiddle and Pipe. Two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff. So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. Who's editing this? Me or you? I think it's you, because I took last time's episode. I can't keep track anymore. It's okay. We have too many. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> we should hold back a little bit on these episodes this like, podcast uh, has LOL. gone on longer than i thought it would <laughs> welcome to hello and welcome matt is this your podcast i guess it is now it is are you allowed to welcome our audience i don't know i would like to personally welcome all the fans of fiddle and pipe back to this wonderful beautiful safe space full of happiness <laughs> roses and beautiful sounds i'm of course your host Matthew Alexander, and I'm here with my two favorite females of all time. I have 
The ginger cat over here. Meow. Catherine Flincham. I was going to say, give us a meow. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, the impeccable, the beautiful Brittany Ross with her pale, beautiful skin and dark hair and sunshine personality. You already know, this is Fiddle and Pipe. Welcome back. I'm dying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like Bella, but hotter. I don't look like I'm going to throw up all the time. Is this like a foreshadowing of the next book that we're going to read? If you want to know more about how Brittany looks like Bella, I mean, stay tuned. I guess technically three weeks. Four weeks. (laughs) Oh, yeah, four weeks. Never mind, including this one. I don't know time. And then this is also releasing in like two weeks from when we're recording this. So it's like a month and a half from today. No wonder we're so confused. Like, yeah, that's why I have no idea what's going on. I mean, we are planning ahead. Wow. So, yeah. Welcome to Fiddle and Pipe. As as you all can tell, we have Matt Richards on with us again. The one and the only. Today we are hitting chapter nine of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck and recapping the book. Should be a good time. Buckle in. Click. Problem is, I don't give a fuck, so how am I going to participate in this conversation? I thought you were going to say, I don't give a fuck, so I'm not going to buckle in. And I was going to say, that's a great lead-in to our last chapter, which is called, And Then You Die. All right, then. Goodbye. If you don't Just letting in, y'all know, I'm getting some lag on y'all's ends. I think it's because of my internet. This sounds suspiciously like virtual teaching orchestra. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you miss that at all, Matt? What, virtual teaching? Yeah. Absolutely not. I hate it so much. I'm actually really happy to be back in the classroom. As obnoxious as this first week has been, it's nice to have the energy of people and teachers and students again. I was so happy being in school for the first time in a year and a half. It's really exciting. And then I quickly remembered... A lot of the issues. Oh, yeah. As soon as we get back, I'm like, like, all right. (laughs) Administration and all that shit. If you guys want to hear more about this, go on our Patreon. Because Matt also is joining on our Patreon for Fiddle and Pipe Happy Hour. I apologize in advance. Check it. (laughs) Okay, so going back to And Then You Die. That's it. Yeah, that's actually it. (laughs) And that's the chapter. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. I mean, we will eventually. (laughs) I won't. Oh, okay. (laughs) Not me. What was y'all's takeaway of this chapter? I guess I want to open up with that because I thought personally that it was like horribly nihilistic. What do you mean? So do you know what nihilism is? Nihilism, it's a whole philosophy where it's just like nothing matters. Like you're gonna die, nothing matters. So like okay, what's the point? Yeah. I really like this chapter. But what you say nihilistic is it what that's mm-hmm. called? That makes complete sense because yes, it was. <laughs> but I also thought it put like a weird positive spin on it. I feel like that's this whole book though. It's full of a lot of nihilism and then he finds this way to kind of spin it so that you're not like oh i'm gonna die soon and i don't nothing matters <laughs> yeah. so i feel like he has a way of twisting it so that it doesn't come across as just negative nancy but i mean this chapter totally did i don't know i guess the end of it was pretty twisted 
like in a positive way but the beginning i mean he opens the chapter talking about this traumatic experience where his friend dies at a party by jumping off a cliff into water mm-hmm. it was really sad i felt really sad actually i was like geez <laughs> he's very open with his traumas in this book which is kind of surprising. I feel like a lot of people who write self-help books keep a barrier between themselves and their writing. But I didn't really feel that this much with this book. That's why a lot of self-help books... Self-help? Self-help. Self-help <laughs> books. But I feel like that's why they're not successful or universally accessible or something like that. Because of, like you were saying, that barrier between the author and the reader. Mm-hmm. And the tricky thing about self-help is that it's like, if I'm going to help myself, why do I need someone writing a book to tell me how to help myself? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I feel like this kind of presents it in a way that's like, do what you're already doing, but just think about it like this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's how he kind of presented the end of the book. He was kind of like, you know all of this. He says that like nothing matters if you die at the end of your life regardless of what you do or what happens in your life why give in to negative emotions he takes that really dark nihilistic perspective and that's how he spins it into a positive because instead of taking the approach like oh nothing matters you know like fuck it i'm just gonna do whatever it's like no this is your life and you might only have one of it yeah so it's interesting that because I read this book like five years ago, and part of the refreshing is talking with you guys about it, and I'm slowly remembering these things. In the past year especially, I've sort of adopted that mindset of, yes, I'm going to die eventually, but life matters as long as I'm here, so I'm just going to kind of care about life and care about the things I care about, and whatever comes of that comes of that, Mm -hmm. because... Once I'm gone, it's not going to matter. But since I'm here right now in the now, then yes, I'm going to care and I'm going to spend my time making an effort, doing what I can to make people feel better. It's going to sound really cheesy, but I can't help but think about this Hannah Montana song and it's stuck in my head. (laughs) It's not the climb, is it? No, it's not. It's life's what you make it, so let's make it rock. That's the tune. (laughs) Sorry. Just had that stuck in my head for you some were reason because so white. <laughs> I just you know it, uh, this is my brain, everybody. But I mean for real. I've seen snowstorms that aren't that white. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and Catherine's <Whew>. dead. <laughs> I am dead. But no, like for real. We're all gonna die. So. Seriously, I mean, this is your one life. What are you going to do with it, really? Are you going to make it matter to how you want to live it? Or mm-hmm. what other people think about it and or want you to live? And life is too short to be angry all the time and pissed off about all these things. That's really it. Because like, when I find myself walking around sulking about something, I'm like, I don't really have time. I got stuff to do here. My new mantra is, who cares? Mm -hmm. I just throw my hands up. I find myself going into a lot more situations recently. You throw your hands in the air sometimes. And I say, hey oh, say, let's go. (laughs) Exactly. But honestly, like, that's kind of the mood. I just walk into places, I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to do this, and if I fuck it up, who cares? Yeah. 
Yeah, I've kind of adopted that a little bit too. And we don't even need to get into the possibility of an afterlife or religion, but kind of a weird question. How often do you two think about death in the sense of like your own death? Honestly, not that much. Well, I will say this. I don't believe in any sort of afterlife at all. And honestly, with the amount of health problems I've been having recently, it does enter my mind a little bit. I'm not dwelling on it, if that makes sense. I was diagnosed with colitis like five years ago now. And at the time, I was in such horrible pain. That was the first time I was like, this might be it. I don't know how I'm going to fix myself. This might be it. And now I'm just like, okay, well, if it happens tomorrow, it happens tomorrow. And that would really suck. But I'm not going to sit here and think about it too much. Mm -hmm. I really don't think about it as often in my daily life. I don't know. When I do think about it, it's very rare. And I mean, I'll be honest, probably like drunk. <laughs> because I don't know, like I think about random things or if I'm probably high. I'm just going to be honest. I've always been one of those people who never really worry about dying. But there's always that 5% of the time when I think about it and I'm like, oh God, <laughs> like what's going to happen? Am I just going to see darkness for the rest yeah, of Yeah, it's like, because well, then I start like thinking about like my breathing in my heart and it's like everything just stops and that's kind of a scary thing. I, I think about it too because like my parents are getting older. I mean, they're only in like their mid fifties, but I'm starting to see, you know, they're older than I remember them being. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's the same with my grandparents because my dad's parents are still alive. My grandfather, he's like really slowing down. He's having trouble standing. He's having trouble seeing. Mm -hmm. He needs his wife mm -hmm. to do everything for him. And I'm sitting here wondering like, that's really where my thoughts go is like, what really happens mm -hmm. at that point? Mm -hmm. It's more out of curiosity than out of any sort of dread or worrying or anything like that. And I think about it with myself, too, because, I mean, I'm only 28, but I'm not as young as I once felt. And I know that seems weird to hear a 28-year-old hear that or say that, but it... Uh, I feel the same way. Well, I mean, like, I get, like, weird pains. Yeah. And that oh, used yeah, to not happen to me. <laughs> and if I lift something wrong, it, like, feels weird. And, oh my gosh, God forbid I have more than three beers. I'm just dead the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany, when I was at your house last week and I had that wine, mm -hmm. honestly, that messed me up for the rest of the week. My body was in pain for the rest of the week after that wine. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I usually share beers with Woody. Like, we have one and we split it and then we might have another. I can't do more than two if I have to teach the next day or have anything to plan that day. Like, mm -hmm. no, mm -hmm. I have to be focused. When I was in high school, I could sleep five or six hours a night and do that for three or four weeks on end, and I was what? so fine. Yeah, I was so fine. I was doing that shit in undergrad. I was and sleeping when, for like exactly. five hours, and I was totally fine. Yeah, three hours a night, we were healthy, and we could get up and just be like, all right, we ready, let's do it. And I could drink so much in undergrad, and it wouldn't affect me. I mean, it would. It obviously would affect me, but <laughs> it wouldn't affect me to the same extent that it does today. It's interesting, because even though I'm, I'm physically stronger now than I used to be because I weightlift now I'm a runner but I can still feel the effects of aging and I think I th think I think I think that I think more about aging than death 
No, I think about Aging's an interesting one. Uh, Woody did grow his first white hair on his beard. So it's a bunch of orange and then just like a white streak. And it's very strange. I don't know if you can see on this camera, but I have at least seven gray hairs. Oh, no, I can't see. Yeah, they're hard to see. But they're there. Yeah, I'm like waiting for the day when I get mine. I'm like, <laughs> I started going gray when I was 17. I like gray hair. I hate the stigma that people give it. Oh, yeah. I don't it, mind it. It sucks. I mean, the only time I considered dyeing it or doing anything, David was like, why would you do that? He's like, that's your hair. You're a silver fox. Aww. Also, quick pause. Shanika is here with my food. I will be right back. Continuing the talk on death, I guess. So we should stop talking about death and talk more about death. Yeah. Have y'all heard of the doctor that he mentions? Dr. Ernest Becker, who wrote The Denial of Death? No. No, but I really kind of want to read it. I don't know, it just sounded interesting. The two big takeaways from this book that he quotes... The first one is that humans can think about themselves abstractly and conceptualize concepts. This leads to what's called as death terror, in quotes, which is an existential anxiety, that's a mood, that underlies everything we do. (laughs) And then the second one is that we have two selves, the physical and the mental, which made me think about the inner game of music, (laughs) to be honest. Yeah! Oh, like, oh, what was it? Uh... Self one and self two. Yes! Yes! Yeah. I was like, sorry, I had that note. Wait, isn't that like a Dr. Seuss character, self one and self two? Thing one, thing oh. two. Oh, okay, that's what I was thinking of, okay. <laughs> was that Cat in the Hat? Yeah, I was like, self one, self two. We realize that our physical selves will die, and then on some level, I feel like it varies with people, because some people obviously become very frightened by the idea of death, and some people it's very subconscious. They become afraid of that on some level and they try to compensate by trying to create a conceptual self that will live on and this kind of blew my mind the whole immortality projects how immortality projects are basically everything that people create or do in hopes that they will be like remembered or honored or anything and Mm -hmm. i was like okay yeah people writing books that makes sense okay yeah you know wanting a statue of yourself I wouldn't want that. People trying to go to space. Yeah, I was like, that makes sense. Like, having your name in a textbook or something. But I was like, wait, that's everything. All ideas, all pieces of music, all buildings, sports, religion, objects, anything that people can physically create or any ideas that we write down, any art that we make, it's your remnant of your physical self that died. And it's all the meaning in our lives is shaped from the desire to never really die. Which is really interesting. Yeah, no, it is. And it, it's like we strive for that, or certain people strive for that. They want mm-hmm. that. Like, they actively want it. Yeah. Again, like, people going to space. Yeah. <clears throat> Who could you be talking about? <laughs> Probably some dick. <laughs> Get it? Because this rocket was shaped like a... Ah... There's a meme going around that I saw that said, today the first giant dildo made it to space. 
Ew. <laughs> Congrats, Space. Really yeah, good job. Go Space. I mean, maybe he was just trying to get to Uranus. Oh. Oh my. <laughs> but, um... We are not a clean podcast. <laughs> no, not anymore. We took a very hard left turn with this book, and I feel like it's just getting progressively worse. I mean, it's in the title, so what can you really do? True. Yeah. This is kind of off topic, but did you guys notice that he was talking about that he dropped out of music school and so did his friend that died? Well, didn't he say at the beginning of the book that he wanted to be a rock guitarist and he went to school and then he was just like, nah fam, I have to practice? Yeah. What I wrote down in my notes was dot dot dot, because it was continuing on. I dropped out of music school and signed up for college courses and I was like... (laughs) guess i didn't go to college (laughs) i went to a real university thank you very much yeah i know he didn't mean it like that but i was just sitting there and i was like thanks mark he definitely didn't give off the impression that he was good enough to go for like a conservatory or something that was just something that i like took note of for some reason i was like oh if i drop out of music school i'm gonna die you drop out of music school (laughs) you can get a real education is what you can do he said that trauma, shame, social ridicule, ridicule <laughs> ugh, and mental illness can cause some people to think that they won't live past their physical self, which is very detrimental. That's when you see people who are like very, I think what, Catherine, what you said earlier about like how people are like very fixated on these immortality projects. Mm-hmm. Like going to space. Yeah, like going to space on a penis rocket. <laughs> Immortality projects are values. They measure the meaning of life. Like, they give, like, a an actual measurement of how good or bad your life is. And when the immortality projects fail, we psychologically fail. So when Mark, what's-his-face, Mark Manson, Charlie Manson. Charles Manson. Charles Manson. <laughs> summed up this book that I now want to read really circled back to the beginning here and basically just said that we all give too many fucks about everything and the purpose is to distract us from the reality of our own individual lives and the concept that we're going to die eventually yeah and he's like if you give less fucks you're more at peace with yourself Mm -hmm. and with the idea that you're going to die immortality projects are an issue obviously because we basically use them as a distraction tool. Instead, we should just come to terms with the fact that we eventually die and better ourselves for us and not in the hopes that future generations are going to be like singing songs about us. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, you get a hit song written about you, then of course, it's like, well, yeah, everybody wants a song written about me. I mean, I'm just saying, if someone wants to write a song about me, they're more than welcome to. <laughs> Britney, Britney rocks the sunshine of my life. I don't know whether the last. Where's your keyboard? Are you gonna add some chords into that? It's too far. I can't reach it right now. Too far. <laughs> Mine, mine's too. I'd far have to too. stand up to reach it. I don't want to do. Your microphone will still pick it up. That's probably true. I had my flute for a moment, too, so... Dang. We'll get on writing that. I think the biggest takeaway is to look at your life. Obviously, like, come to terms with that you're going to die, because that's the takeaway of this. 
I mean, have y'all come to terms that you're gonna die at some point? Yes. I mean, yeah, but again, I didn't really think about it until I was reading this book. And I didn't Did it really wake think you about out? it until you asked me now. Yes. The last note that I wrote down was, Death kind of gives us meaning in life. It got real psychological on me, and it was freaky, but cool, and makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Spark notes by Catherine. <laughs> if we didn't die, then we could just go on and do whatever we wanted and not care. But the yeah. fact that our time is cut off, that kind of inherently gives us a meaning right there. Exactly. Life is what you make it. You see that whole trope about vampires? How they're just over their lives and it's because they've lived for like hundreds of years and they've done everything they have the ability to do. And so you'd wonder... We are so a preview of what we're reading next. No, I'm not even thinking about that book. (gasps) I know! I'm thinking of the Anne Rice books. I'm thinking of Dracula. Yeah, how a vampire who's that old, what would they actually care about? If you're 109 years old, how is it the most interesting person in the world to you as a 17-year-old girl? 17-year-olds are boring as fuck. Just saying. You need to think, what is your legacy? Like, what are you leaving behind? How are you making the world better? What mark have you made on the world? And what influence will you have caused? And I feel like that can be anything from kids to Mm -hmm. how you treat people to... Mm -hmm. I mean, literally what you do with your life. Like, how are you influencing people? How are people going to remember you? What are they going to say about you? I feel like that's a good perspective because it doesn't really push that you should be remembered, but it pushes that you should be treating people like how you want to be remembered. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? That makes sense. Yeah, I yeah. don't really understand the mindset of people who constantly need to put others down to lift themselves up. Why are you going out of your way to be angry and negative? Honestly, it takes a lot of energy to be pissed off all the time. So like, why are you spending that energy just putting people down and being angry and make, trying to fight and insult people? I'm talking about seventh graders now. It's literally that. I think about myself in middle school. I was an angry kid, too. I would never go back. No. No. You could not pay me enough money. I would kick myself in the face. I felt like if something bad happened to me in middle school, it was going to, like, torment me for the rest of my time Mm -hmm. in school. Like, in this place with all these people. And it didn't. Yeah. I remember being in seventh grade and I was pissed at my parents because they wouldn't let me go to a friend's house for a sleepover on a school night. And their rationale was, well, you're not going to do your schoolwork or your homework and you're going to stay up all night, uh, which is going to be bad for school the next day. And I remember like bitching to my friend at the time. I was like, my parents don't remember what it's like to be a kid. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be fine, but looking back on it, I'm like, no, I, I totally would have done that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to do any of my work, but that's not the point. I want to go anyway. It's just when you're so young, you have nothing to compare it to. And your frontal lobe doesn't completely develop until you're around, I think it's 25 for men and then 21 for women. 
you're not able to rationalize things like adults can. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, I feel like a lot of adults don't remember what it's like to be a kid, so there's got to be some kind of middle ground But also, adults don't know how to rationalize, too, a lot of the time, because there's a lot of issues with the way people are raised that can mess with the way you interpret things and the way you process information. I thought it was really interesting how he started this chapter so dark, and then he brought it so light so quickly. It's like us. Starts so dark with me, and then it gets to you guys so light and sunny and gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) I should write a self-help book. That should should include all of these euphemisms. Catherine's dying. (laughs) Literally. It's been a very long day. She's all the way in Denver. We can't do anything about it. (laughs) I like how he closes the chapter out with saying that happiness comes from caring about something bigger than yourself. And when we become entitled, our energy becomes inward with everything focusing on us. And in my notes, I literally put read page 201 middle paragraphs. So I'm going to do so. Uh, Here we go. (laughs) Because I didn't want to copy it into my notes. Mm -hmm. It's these dynamics that plague us now. We are so materially well off, yet so psychologically tormented in so many low-level and shallow ways. People relinquish all responsibility, demanding the society cater to their feelings and sensibilities. People hold on to arbitrary certainties and try to enforce them on others, often violently, in the name of some made-up righteous cause. People, on a high sense of false superiority, fall into an action and lethargy. 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 Lethargicness. Lethargicness. They become lethargic. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) For fear of... Dictionary.com. Trying something worthwhile and failing at it. The pampering of the modern mind has resulted in a population that feels deserving of something without earning that something. A population that feels that they have a right to something without sacrificing for it. People declare themselves experts, entrepreneurs, inventors, innovators, mavericks, and coaches without any real-life experience. And they do this not because they actually think they are greater than everyone else. They do it because they feel that they need to be great in order to be accepted in a world that broadcasts only the extraordinary. And then he goes on to say, like, you're actually great because you actively choose what to give a fuck about in the face of Mm -hmm. death. You don't have to be super popular. You don't have to be a mean girl. You said entitlement, and I... Oh, boy. <laughs> realize how entitled you no, are? No, no. It's the opposite. I realize how much entitlement irritates me, and how often I see it in people. And one of the most powerful things I say to myself all the time is that this world does not owe me a damn thing. Nobody in this world owes me a damn thing. Saying that to myself all the time is kind of freeing in the sense that I don't have any expectations of anybody. I don't expect anybody to just hand me anything or treat me nice just cause or whatever. And then it's always like a pleasant surprise when someone goes out of their way for me. I'm like, oh, that person, they, they went out of their way. That's really nice. But it's never expected. And I'm always just like, nobody owes me anything. And I'm going to try to be a giver as much as I can. And Mm -hmm. if other people want to join me, come on up. Let's do it. I actually find that, too, that not having any expectations has led me to be a lot happier. 
And I believe I said that to David once recently, but I literally said it after he said he was going to do something for me, and then he didn't, so it made me sound like a bitch. <laughs> I don't expect you to do anything, <laughs> but then you didn't do this thing, so what the fuck? Yeah, that's Was that's it him big... not making that Moscow Mule last time that we had the happy hour? <laughs> uh, he told me he was going to make me drink this time, but he's writing, so I don't know if I'm going to get well, it. Well, you should tell him that <laughs> you should write this fucking drink ingredients and then make it. I try to make it the same way, and it never turns out. You would know this if you listened to our Patreon, Matt. <laughs> Check out our Patreon. Join us on Patreon. I really enjoyed the ending of this book. I really enjoyed this book. No, I really like this book a lot. I'm trying not to take things so literally anymore. I am trying to move past being a people pleaser. I'm trying to move past trying to be or act perfect and that I can do everything and all that crap more recently within the last few months and it's hard it's very 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 hard because I want to please people Mm -hmm. it's hard to get past that mindset when you've been in it for so long I don't know this book kind of just helped me realize some things like what do I value the most because I feel like I do have some shitty values that I'm trying to work past. And then also, I'm just trying to focus more on myself and what I want to accomplish for myself um, and taking that initiative. And it's scary because I think I'm terrified of doing that. For instance, I'm trying to put myself out there a little bit more, applying for jobs that pertain to like music and social media marketing. I'm also trying to do auditions, and part of me is afraid of doing that because I always feel like people look at me as somebody that's not good enough, that is trying too hard, yada, yada, yada. But the other part of me is like, well, if you do not put yourself out there now, you'll never know. Right. And you will be stuck in the same place again, and don't want that. So I think it's helped me kind of just focus on myself and not focus on what other people are doing. Yeah, because I was going to ask you guys if you guys struggle with that. Is like, am I doing this because I want to do it? Or am I doing this because I think it'll look good to people and then they'll shower me with praise or something like that? Yeah. I've had to filter through a lot of that recently. I have to sit down and think, I'm like, okay. Am I doing this because it's something that I wanted to do? Or is it because I want my mom to see how much I'm accomplishing? Or is it because I want to flex on my friends and be like, hey, see all this shit that I got? Or is it because I want Dr. Keeler to like my status on Facebook and say, congratulations. <laughs> and it's something like that. Because he congratulates certain people all the time on Facebook. And I'm... Oh, it's so... <laughs> it's so you obvious. Can you can tell which ones he loves to praise. And I'm like... Maybe if I do this, he'll like my post or whatever. And I have to filter through that stuff and see, okay, what am I doing because I want to do it? And what am I doing to flex on some motherfuckers? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't think I struggle with that so much, but I know with COVID and everything, I think I lost touch of some of my values. I feel like we've been, Dave and I have been struggling financially since March 2020. And... I have been going through phases where I'm very fixated on just making sure we're staying afloat. If 
financially speaking, and that kind of makes me lose touch of other things. Like, I don't practice. I don't hang out with David as much. I don't do things that are important for me personally. And I think within the last, I don't know, maybe month, I guess basically since we've been reading this, things have been looking a little better for us. And I think part of the reason is because I have been actively asking myself, what do I value? Do I value the quick bucks? Or is my time better spent doing something else? Is it more important to hang out with my husband in the evening or make $50 doing DoorDash deliveries? Mm-hmm. Is it more important to practice for an audition that I'm probably not going to get and give myself some inspiration to actually practice and some motivation or do something else? And I feel like this book has kind of helped me really kind of reevaluate my priorities and try to live my life in a way that is healthier for me. Hey, I saw a really good YouTube video about hustle culture and how, you know, that creates this illusion every week. You got to be like, what am I striving for? My ambitions are increasing. I'm making all these mm-hmm. career moves and stuff like that. It glorifies the people who are like, went to bed at three in the morning and got up at 5 a.m. to start the work day. You'll never, you know, no. achieve greatness if you, stuff like that. And I'm like, boy, I need to sleep. Like, Yeah, I mean, I'm not yeah. that bad, but I definitely have the personality type where I straight up hustle. I did so many recruiting gigs this week and I loved it. And I love doing music things. And I literally had to fight myself to not do deliveries on some of those days because I was like, you have too much on your plate. You need to go practice. You need to make sure you're eating. You need to go make time to exercise. And just like self-care is really important. But I definitely have that tendency to just drop everything and hustle. And a lot of that is because I'm very driven by stressing myself out. And that's just who I am as a person. I thrive under stress. So I go out of my way to put a lot of stress on myself to make sure I'm not idle. It's very strange. I am very much like that too, especially when it comes to receiving music opportunities. What I learned, especially before the pandemic, was I was doing that all the time. Mm -hmm. Part of it was because I was beating myself up for totaling my car and having to pay for this new one that I have. I was just so stressed about it and I was also a little bit pressured. As much as I love my parents, my dad is very, whenever it comes to finances or anything, he's like, oh my god! And I kind of gained that stress. I love my parents to death. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. (laughs) Yeah, they taught me to be thrifty and I love it. It's great. I definitely saved some money and found some cool finds doing stuff like that, but I definitely have struggled a lot since I've been on my own here in Denver with money and I was just overworking myself before COVID because I was working at the coffee shop like 25 hours a week but then I was also teaching like 30 hours a week or so at schools private lessons and then I was doing rehearsals Mm -hmm. I was just in the sense of burnout when the pandemic hit I was so happy I was like thank god Mm -hmm. I had a sense of relief but then immediately I was like oh my god I'm not gonna have money how am I gonna pay my car in less than five years oh my gosh 
because I had the five-year payment plan, and so I just busted ass. And the one thing that I realized was I was not only neglecting my own self and my mental health, but I was neglecting my partner, mm-hmm. and I was neglecting my friendships. I was neglecting my relationships with other people. Finally, <laughs> like March, I was like, I don't want to live like this anymore. Mm-hmm. Even when stuff starts coming back, I don't want to live like this. And so I put limits, like, on a specific night from teaching so I can spend time with Woody since that's his night off. We can have dinner. We can go out. We can do something mm-hmm. together. I don't teach Sundays or really Saturdays for the same reason. Yeah, I don't teach on Saturdays, and it's great. If I want to hang out with some people, I can hang out. So if I need to practice, I have that day to practice. I have time to sleep in. I can go on a run. And I still do struggle because I am still of a workhorse, but I think I'm less of a workhorse than mm-hmm. I was pre-COVID days. And I feel a little bit more focused as well. And my brain doesn't feel as cloudy, full of all these thoughts of like, oh, what do I have to do next? Oh my gosh, like I have like a list mm-hmm. and I check off things and I'm like, okay, like I got this done today. Let me focus on this tomorrow and then I'll get back to this other thing when it comes again the next week. I think it's really hard to not be a workhorse in our field because it basically encourages it. When you see other people succeeding, I guess, in music, it seems like they're doing so many things Mm -hmm. that when you're idle, you feel very unaccomplished. You feel very unsuccessful. That's Mm -hmm. one thing that I stress with at times. I'll be very honest about that. I mean, I didn't realize how much I missed doing music related stuff because I've been teaching throughout the pandemic but it's been private teaching and some of it's virtual and I definitely don't have as many students as I did before COVID but I did a lot of recruitment gigs this past week. Honestly same. Teachers stress out about being in the classroom all the time and it's always a very stressful thing but just being in the classroom with the energy of a full class for once in the last year and a half was like, it's amazing. I was like, oh my God, this is why I suffered through five years in college to get a degree and a friggin' license to do this. And since I was doing recruiting too, it was like new kids that I've never met before. And then you play the Demon Slayer theme song, they get all excited. And then they're all coming up to you <laughs> wanting to be your best friend because you watch anime. And they're like, oh my god, what they're animes s- do you love? Six Raiders mm-hmm. are so cute. Six Raiders are wonderful. Especially the new ones I got this year. Love them. Oh, they're so curious. <laughs> I did recruitment for four schools this past week. When I booked that fourth gig, I went to David and I was just like, I have four schools I'm working for. He's like, that's amazing. And like, hug me and all that shit. I was like, well, aren't you happy? Because, you know, financially, this is good for us. Like, this is going to be a good week for me. He's like, I'm more happy because I think your mental health is going to improve. And it did. I feel feel Mm -hmm. so great. We all know that's the most David response of all time. Yeah. (laughs) That is exactly the response we expect from David. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we've been cooped up for so long, and our lives completely changed for, like, a year mm-hmm. and a half. And so mm-hmm. getting to get back into the routine of things, it feels refreshing. It is. And you said that you just heard from one of your middle schools, right, that you used to work for? Yeah, and I literally thought they weren't going to be able to afford to have people in, which I'm mm-hmm. very, very thankful. I mean, it just made me feel like, okay, you do matter. <laughs> Because I've been feeling like maybe mm. I suck at my job. Maybe I suck at teaching flute. Maybe I suck at this. And 
I spent like a whole year thinking that. Yeah, that's what virtual that's teaching did to me. It's like, oh, what am I going to do for an hour and a half talking at a bunch of people who probably aren't even logged on? It just makes me feel empty because mm -hmm. I'm like, what am I really doing? I'm just talking at a screen. But seeing people in front of me, even though they're tired and not paying attention, it's still like at least they're there in the room. Well, thanks, Mark Manson, for writing this book. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty cool book. There was another podcast that I listened to where they actually interviewed him. Charlie Manson? Yeah, Char Charlie Manson. <laughs> Charlie Manson. <laughs> he has a second book out called Everything is Fucked. Oh, David has that. <gasps> Wait, that one's honestly a little bit more nihilistic than this one. Huh. Because I think he wrote that one either, like, right after Trump got elected or something like that. Well, because, yeah, this one was written in 2016. Yeah, that other one was, I think it was 2017 was when he wrote the other one. Jeez, he didn't waste any time. Maybe that could be another book idea, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say. I read that one also, and after reading that, I was like, wow. He's kind of pissed off at the world, I guess. I don't feel good about myself anymore. Yeah. But speaking of books that we're considering reading, should yeah, we seriously. announce our next book? I mean, we've hinted at it a few Drum times. Drum roll, please. We are reading uh, Twilight. Um, like we said earlier, we took a hard left turn with this book, and now I feel like we're taking maybe a soft right turn by picking Twilight. Yeah. We don't just do nonfiction, you guys. What are you talking about? Twilight is a true story. What? Y'all should join us if you want to read a book about vampires. Y'all want to read it with us, whether you like it or not. <laughs> if you don't want to read it, you, of course, want to hear the two most beautiful ladies on the planet talk about said book because you already know they know what they're talking about. You know they know mm -hmm. how to get vampires to love them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't know how I, feel about I don't know that where I'm going with this. I'm very curious though about the like the re like the verbiage, I guess, or the wordage. I don't know. Um, the prose. I don't know words today. <laughs> prose. There you go. The prose. There we go. I'm just very curious about what when I reread this because I remember it being so. Not bland, but just so funny. It just felt so stale with Bella's personality. And then when you watch Kristen Stewart, it's like, wow. She literally looks nauseous all the time. This is my Bella impersonation. Wow. Can I take a picture of this? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Your hands are so cold. You are impossibly fast and strong. How old are you? <laughs> okay, I gotta do Edward now. How long have you been 18? A while. Say it. <laughs> Out Say loud. It. Vampire. And I'm like, woohoo, chemistry. That's a love scene right there. Mm. <laughs> Robert Pattinson is actually a good actor. That character sucks. Yeah. That character is the worst. Watching him in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, I hated that stupid film too. It sucked, but anyway. I actually liked that one, but that's just me. I didn't like it because it was just so dramatic in a way that I just didn't enjoy it. Was it was over the top, yes. Yeah, and they didn't really 
show him as much, but with the small amount of scenes that he was in, he had way more personality in that movie. Oh, yeah. Than watching the four, five film, is it four? This is five, five, yeah. five films of Twilight. Oh, yeah. I really am curious to see how he is as Batman. He looks like he could be a very good Batman. Anyway, uh, join us on Twilight, because you want to join us on Twi- Twilight. Twilight. Yeah. Twilight. Twilight. Y'all won't want to miss it. I guess that concludes our episode. Ta-da! Thank y'all for spending the better part of an hour with us. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate it. Thank you for reading about not giving a fuck with us. And hopefully y'all don't give any fucks now. Because we sure as hell don't. We hope we got rid of all your fucks. Because we don't have any left to give. Nope, no more. <laughs> we will be taking three weeks yes. between the next book to do other non-book related episodes. So your next three episodes will be non-book episodes and then we'll launch straight into Twilight. We will see you guys again next week. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Matt. Where can we find you? You can find me usually in my bed. <laughs> when I'm not in my bed, sleeping. Get your mind out of the gutter, Brittany. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah, oh, Brittany. very explicit now. <laughs> but when I'm not sleeping in my bed, I'm recording podcast episodes with my good friends, Timothy and Megan, over at Mmm Conversation. We just did an episode all about anime, so if you like anime... Uh, check it out and if you've never watched anime before and you want some recommendations of where to start we got you covered Brad, nice check out matt's podcast and i will be on it in the future so yeah so even better than it already was well we hope that y'all don't give fucks and we'll see you next week <laughs> bye bye adios